Hey guys, brand new podcast, brand new podcast, and this is a good one. This is a really good one. Hey, did I mention I'm going back on tour? Hot Summer Nights Tour starts this Friday in Phoenix. All shows are sold out. I take that back. We have added, we have added space at the drive-in movie theaters in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 24th. We have added some spots. Uh, we've, it's been difficult working with the governments in the local places on how many spots we can use based on social distancing. And as regulations have let up, they've let us add more spots. And so simply we're just putting more cars in on the sides. So we have added shows, added spots in North Carolina and in Indianapolis, June 26th. So on the 24th in North Carolina and Charlotte and in Indianapolis, June 26th, I have to give a shout. That's everything else is sold out. Uh, so I will see you on the road. We're going to be videotaping this. Videotaping this. What fucking year is this, Bert? Videotaping it. We're going to be filming this and uh, and putting it on YouTube and putting out a bunch of content. I strongly believe in that. We'll be filming the stand-up, throwing the stand-up on whenever we can. Because a lot of it's just kind of dated, uh, meaning it's topical and it's going to be out of public interest soon. But yeah, today's a great podcast. Oh, wait. Did I mention that my Dylan flip-flops are sold the fuck out again? Again, thank you so much. But I, but I say thank you. I want you to know that I'm not a. I'm not this company. I'm just this. This the face of this one flip flop that I was obsessed with. Okay, I started this with Eli and Martin over it over it at Three Water. They uh, brought on this woman Clarissa, who I think is absolutely fucking amazing, who I met in Burlington, and and we just have that one line of flip flop. I will say all their flip flops are awesome. You should check out all their flip flops. Um, I, I really love a one they've discontinued that I think might be my next one it is now like a little bit of my go-to summer flip-flop when I go to water the trees because I don't want to get my Dylan's wet because they're all leather. So I have this one. It's called the dude. They know which one I'm talking about. It's a great, it, it's a throwback to an eighties flip-flop. It's a legit throwback to an eighties flip-flop. Um, but yeah. And so we just released this one flip-flop and we've, we've done small batch orders only because, um, because it's, you know, it's, we're not trying to be millionaires. We're just trying. I really just wanted to make these flip-flops so that I could get them. I gave them to Rogan. I gave them to Tom. I gave them to Ari. They all fucking loved the flip-flop. And as soon as they loved them, I was like, all right, let's go ahead and do this order. We did the first order. They sold out very quickly, I think in like eight minutes or 11 minutes. And then we did this next order and for a little larger, maybe like four times the size. And it sold out, sold out in half a day. So depending on uh, interest in the flip-flop, we'll make more. And so hit me up at Bert at BertBertBert.com. If you couldn't get your flip-flops and we'll try to get you some, we'll try to see if we can do another small batch order and, and make more flip-flops. Or maybe we'll do some more flip-flops of another, another genre. I will tell you dead honestly, I don't think you can get them. I think they're sold out. They make a fucking slipper, like a house slipper for the winter. That is phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. I take it on the bus with me. When we shot the cabin, my Netflix series, that is the only shoe I wore around the cabin. It is phenomenal my daughters are obsessed with them my wife's obsessed with them obsessed with them i don't know if they're making them to be dead honest with you let me check to see if i can find it seems like i'm selling a lot of things lately by the way i gotta give a shout out there's this company hold on one second oh shit this company uh, this they're not a sponsor of the podcast at all but uh pat noswell hooked me up with them i love backgammon and they make cool old school backgammon boards, like a, like a throwback backgammon boards. I've got one that's going on the tour bus, and then this one stays here. I love backgammon. If you have not played backgammon in a while, you got to check them out. They just sent me a board. I got I, I, Look, and I, and I promised them that 
I would get, let everyone know that before Father's Day, uh, they could get one of these, and you should check out. It's called Backgammon Baby. I'll have it on my Instagram today. If you're really interested, go there, get a backgammon board. And they're really gorgeous boards on the inside. I want to show you the inside. And once again, they're not a podcast sponsor. They're just legit good people who like backgammon. You know, when you find... Why the fuck can't I open this? When you find people who are into the shit you're into, you can't help but support them. And I love backgammon. I'm not going to lie to you. There we go. Take a look. Fuck! So anyway, backgammon, baby. Check them out. They're really great. I'm a fucking jack. I'm a jackass, Austin. Keep it going. This is what this is the beauty of a podcast. You know, sometimes when I see celebrities starting podcasts and they and they want it to be perfect and they do a couple takes and they edit it all out, I'm like, God, you're missing what makes podcasting awesome. What makes podcasting awesome is the fuck ups. The fuck ups, like the read you're about to see for Buffalo Trace. I've already recorded it, and that's why I'm drunk, and that's why that happened. I've already poured this glass of whiskey. You're going to see it. It's going to clip up. You're going to go, this podcast is brought to you by, but you're going to see that. You're going to see me pour a drink. You'd see me do a read and also we'll edit it. And then we'll finish this out. But that's already happened. And I'm buzzed and I'm going back on the fucking road and I'm making a new podcast studio. I'm making a new podcast studio and I can't fucking wait. I got an email from Trinidad James yesterday. Trinidad fucking James. Do you know who that is? All gold, everything. Dude, I am... <clears throat> I hope the second wave isn't bad. <laughs> That's all I'll say because I'm in a good fucking way right now. And I hope we cruise into an open country that everyone can get back to normal. Cheers, everybody. Once again, you'll see me pour that. Ignore that. It's the beauty of a podcast. Um, yeah. So check out free water. Check out Backgammon Baby for Father's Day. They really are a great backgammon board. Once again, not a podcast sponsor. Just cool people with a cool product that you got to love someone who just believes in backgammon. With all the technology going on. Have you played backgammon before, Halston? I never have played it. Dude, it is such an awesome fucking game, especially when you know what you're doing. It is such an awesome game. And if you know what you're doing, you're playing someone that knows what they're doing. Fucking awesome. This podcast is brought to you by Buffalo Trace. Thank you, Buffalo Trace, for sponsoring this podcast. I first had this uh, whiskey when I did Rogan's podcast. When we started doing podcasts right before the pandemic started, he ha sent he, we had some whiskey, and I said, I liked it so much, I would love if they were sponsoring my podcast. They heard that, and they sponsored my podcast. This is the distillery that was named the 2020 Distillery of the Year in the San Francisco World of Spirits competition, and it had some of the best whiskey tasters in America judging hundreds of whiskey and Buffalo Trace won the most. It was two decades ago when Buffalo Trace won the same title at the Whiskey Advocate magazine. Since then, they've won more awards than any other distillery in the world. Google Buffalo Trace, and you'll see for yourself. They've been distilling whiskey since 1773, ever since early American pioneers followed the buffalo herds to the Kentucky River. That's an email for me. Ignore it. They even operated during Prohibition with a permit to make whiskey for medicinal purposes, which I found Amazing, because right now, with everything going on there in this country, they were deemed an essential uh, business by the governor of Kentucky, designated bourbon as essential during this time. And I could not agree more. The Buffalo Trace motto is stand strong and they won't compromise, especially in the taste of their whiskey. What I love about them is it's Buffalo. I love Buffaloes. Buffaloes are strong. Buffaloes have balls. And this is the only bourbon with balls, literally. I think their balls are on the label. 
Yeah, you can see his balls right there. I enjoy this whiskey. I love this whiskey. And I'm going to have some for you right now because I'm starting back on my tour and all I'm drinking is Buffalo Trace. Cheers, everybody. I hope you stay safe. Mm. Whew, that is nice. Whoa. Their master distiller in charge is Harlan Wheatley, and he makes craft vodka also, also called Wheatley Vodka. I've had some of that. That'll also be on the bus. They're kind enough to send this all to me, and I trust this guy. He's been making, since 1995, he's been distilling over at Buffalo Trace. And what he says is if the whiskey in the barrel isn't ready to go to the bottle, it doesn't because they know they taste it all. Distilled, aged, and bottled by Buffalo Trace Distillery, 90-proof Franklin County, Kentucky, Buffalo Trace. American, family-owned, and independent. Today's podcast uh, is an amazing one. This podcast is with Jay Farrow. Jay Farrow and I met a long time ago uh, on a, on a St. Patty's Day in Columbus, Ohio. We talked about that a little bit. Um, Jay was on SNL, was a cast member on SNL, and, and we talk about SNL. We talk about his leaving SNL, his going on to do White Famous with Jay, I think it was Jamie Foxx. And we talk about something that's very important right now. Now, listen, obviously, this podcast was, was recorded before um, the protests started going on. So we, uh, we were just kind of bullshitting. And a story come, came out that uh, he has since shared in the media and is getting a lot of press. That is not why I'm releasing this podcast today. I'm releasing this podcast today because he has a new movie, Two Minutes of Fame, with Captain Williams. Um, it's fucking awesome. I just saw the trailer for it the other day, and that's how I heard about the story that you'll hear in here. But I want you to go see his new movie, Two Minutes of Fame. Look, support Jay. He's a solid dude. This, I know there's so much politics flo floating around and everything going on. That is not my podcast. It really genuinely isn't. But we are humans, and we are comics, and we, are, we do bullshit, and we do talk about stuff. And, and, and by the way, I will... I will just say that uh, when I heard this conversation, when we had this conversation about Jay getting pulled over by the police for jogging um, and, and the cops kneeling on his neck and cuffing him to find out he wasn't the right guy, I, things weren't as political as they are. So I don't know how I react. I don't, I, I'm not, I haven't listened to it. I don't want to change how I react. I think that would be disingenuous to who I am and to who and to how I interact with Jay. So I just listened, and I, if I made jokes and they sound insensitive now, realize that was this was before the protests, and, uh, and I am a comedian, and we are friends, and this is how comedians interact, okay? I can't, look, I don't think, I'm, I, I'm not telling that to anyone listening to the podcast. I know if you listen to the podcast, you know me. You know me very well. You know me all, almost too well. I'm saying that for the people that may just turn into this podcast because of what's going on in the world, and that the fact that Jay's trending right now because he was uh, a victim of... Um, mistaken identity and, and I think maybe a little overzealousness by the police, a little bit of brutality. Anyone puts a knee on your neck. I think you, we can all deem that as a little overboard, especially knowing what we know now. Look, this is not my lane. You know that I'm bad at talking about this stuff. I'm better at talking to friends. So all I'll do is I'll simply go on with the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen from SNL from white famous with his new movie, two minutes of fame, Jay Farrow. <laughs> Dude, I just trimmed my shit this morning. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you look pretty. You you look pretty lined up there, like you <laughs> like you went to the black barber shop and got yourself straightened up. You know what happened? I went. I did Jesus and Miro right before the pandemic hit. I did Jesus and Miro. Oh. I, do you, you ever watch Jesus and Miro? Yeah, 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 for sure. 
So then when they went to Showtime, whatever fucking barber they had, <laughs> up Miro's face. Like, just, he did that thing. I don't ever understood why black dudes do this, but he spray painted the beard in. Like, he, <laughs> he Beijinged it. <laughs> shoe polish on your face. Like, hold on real quick. Hold on real quick. My shoe, my shoe need to be shined. Bring your chin over here real quick and rub the shit on the tip of my, on the tip of my shoe. Is it exactly what he did? And I, and I hated it. I was like, I, I made fun of him online. And then, and then I went, and then his beard got better. I guess he got a lot of shit for it. And so they got a new barber. This yeah. dude was awesome. So when I did Jesus Miro, I said, hey, man, I need you to tell me how to trim my face because I, I just let my cheeks grow up. And he was right. like, all right. And he, man, he took his time with it. Like, I mean, <laughs> we almost pushed production. He took his time with it that much. Good. But, hey, hey, listen, man. Man's, man's hair is as precious as his baby, man. Black man's hair is as precious as his baby. We, so we got to take care of it. You know what I'm saying? What was, first time, what was the first time you ever went to a bar? You remember going to a barbershop? Uh, I think I was, uh, what was I, six, possibly? I think, because my dad used to cut uh, my hair. I didn't say he did a good job. I said he cut it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he would cut my hair until I was like six. And then uh, when I was six, I went to the barbershop. And I remember I got the cut. They put that alcohol on my jaw after they... After they shaped it up, and I was, it was like I was stinging. So I had tears. I had a tear in my eye. That that barbicide ain't all that stuff ain't no joke. That alcohol, none of that stuff is no joke. Man. It burns. It's like damnation on your edges. It, it hurts, Bert. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> I, I went to a black barbershop one time. It was for a pilot. We did a pilot on some show, and mm. uh, and it was and he taught me. I just had to tighten my shit up, like going through and just cutting off stragglers that were sticking out. And yeah, then he yeah, taught yeah. me about, he taught me about um, liners. I'd never used liners before. Like I just <laughs> used clippers and clippers. And uh, he got me these, he showed me these liners. I still have them. They're like the liner every black dude uses. It's like the, the key liner. And uh, I love those things, man. I Get love the T-out liner. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely been used on the face and other places. Uh, not even going, not even going to lie. Uh, <laughs> Dude, those things are aggressive. They will cut it like a, a straight razor. I know. I've learned my lesson. Uh, <laughs> black and red doesn't look good. It doesn't look good together. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, it might work on a Japanese flag, but, it, but <laughs> shit don't work in real life. I'm telling you. It's, uh, where, it's pretty where are you at? Are you in, are you in LA? I'm in LA. Yeah, I'm at my, I'm at my, I'm at my crib, my lovely, my lovely house, chilling. Yeah, it's so funny, man. People, people thought when I left uh, when I left SNL. They were like, "Oh, Farrell, Farrell's done. He's gonna burn through all his money." I was like, "No, bitch, I'm still rich." But <laughs> <laughs> it stay like that. That's it's ridiculous, up, man. man. Nah, I, I told people, I told people when I got fired from Travel Channel, it fucks with your head. But what fucks with your head the most is just that is like people going, you're out, man. Like it's people in this business love to go. You're down. You're out. You're done. Yeah, you're shot, right. man. Good luck. Right. And you did not go down. You did not go out. And I fucking love that. I love that story. That's my favorite story in Hollywood. Hey, brother. Hey, and you know what? Uh, it was good. You know, me, when I did leave, I met you. I think we met in 2017, right? And yeah. uh, it, it was uh, it was like St. Patrick's Day. 
we, yo, where were we? We were, we were in Columbus, Ohio. We went, oh yes, we were in Columbus. Oh yes, 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 yes. Oh, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. That's a lot of white. Yeah, we went and did radio together. A lot of white people. Shitload of white people. It's a lot of white people, and it's Gary Owen. Wait, Gary's from uh, (laughs) Cincinnati, right? But he's Gary's like Gary's like. I don't. Can you define Gary Owen as being a white guy? Because I kind of feel like I kind of feel like he's he's black. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like if you if he unzipped from the top of his scalp, it would just be Michael Blackson would jump the fuck out. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Gary Owen start talking. Gary Owen start talking like this. He'd be like, "Man, I don't understand what the fuck's going on. What's happening?" And he goes like this. He's like, you black mother sucker. I think Michael Blackson has been impersonating Gary Owen for years. They're the same person. Uh, they got the same credit score. Uh, it's, it's really, they're, they're the same person, Bert. I've done, I've done, man, I've done a few uh, Michael Blackson deep dives where you start looking at everything he's done. Uh-huh. He does not mind getting fucking dirty. Like, no. He, no, no. Have you met him? Yeah, yeah. That's that's my homeboy, man. Like, yeah. I've known Mike since uh, I I met Mike back in 2007, man. I was uh, I was doing stand up in in Suffolk, Virginia, and he headlined this jazz cafe. And um, before he got on stage, I impersonated him and damn near did all <laughs> just just talked like him for like seven minutes. And the comedians told me he was in the back, and I don't know how true the validity to this statement because he was so cool but they said he was in the back like what the fuck is he doing what the fuck what, what is his mother sucker doing what, what is he doing why is he doing that he's talking like me what the fuck is he doing and i got off stage and came back and was like hi he was like oh. <laughs> but behind he was motherfucker stop fucking doing that boys what the fuck is he doing you know mike mike has mike is so good at um self-degrading He's the best at self-degrading, more so to the point that everybody online, the people that say shit about him, he uses it as fuel. I I told Michael Blackson he looked like a, a grown stillborn, and he put it in his act. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike, you look like you look like a fetus that was supposed to that was supposed to die, but somehow you attached yourself to like a garbage can absorbed that and grew the fuck up. That's what it looked like happened to you, Mike. I say this. I don't have jokes. I have disrespectful statements. Is the <laughs> but uh, what else you say? What I say? I said he was the Corona bat. He's a he's the bat that started the Corona. I said he looked like uh uh what is his name? Batley from Eureka's Castle. I said he looks like. The gremlin from uh, Gremlins 2 that was singing, uh, I want to be a part of it. Like, I've said so much, <laughs> but it's so fun just going back and forth with him because he doesn't care. He's such a good dude, man. I it's, love that. It's interesting because there are kind of guys like there's like, uh, I say, and I say this gingerly, but that, like there's kind of guys where like, they're, Segura once told me, he goes, he goes, you know what's fun about the fashion? We were, when we were fashioning each other, I said, what? And he goes, people can join in because they know the joke. So they can yeah. join in. It makes it really interactive. And it's kind yes. of fun if you have a sense of humor about it. And he's like, you know, there's two types of comics. There's comics who can joke and get the joke. And then there's comics that are holier than thou and they don't get, get offended. 
Yep. And they, yeah, they and they have to be the cool guy on stage. They have to be the one making the joke. They can't be a part of the joke. Yep. And Michael Black's mm-hmm. like Kevin Hart on stage can be a part of the joke. Like he's he he's his Instagram profile of like inspirational is different, and I think that's what people know him as now is an inspirational right. motivational speaker. But like on stage, he was the like he was always a part of the joke. He wasn't yeah. like here's the problem with uh, with <coughs> mentally disabled people. You know something? It was like it was like I'm the fuck up. I'm right. the, yeah, really fascinating. When you see someone like, like Michael Blackson who does it well. He's like, listen, uh, listen, first of all, I can't fit most of my clothes inside of my son's closet because he's bigger than I am. Now, if he wasn't bigger than I am, uh, I would think that my sperm didn't work. But knowing that he's bigger, it's literally like, honey, I blew up the kid, but I did that with my dick. Bam. I give myself a five points. Uh, also, uh, I give myself a stimulus check. Bam. Don't need it. Wrote it myself. Got my 2000 Spent that. Went to the strip club. Had on a... Listen, Bert. <laughs> Bert. This is the real <laughs> shit. Swear to God. I went to the strip club. Bam. The bitches in the strip club had on masks. They all look like a katana from Mortal Kombat. Uh, I'm not in the cosplay, Bert. I don't like that. Uh, so, what I did was I took two quarters, I made it drizzle, I walked out, I said, that's the forecast. I came back to my house, I looked at my baby back rib, I said, listen, you strip, I'm going to give you the money. Bam. Made it rain $2,000 right on my wife, swear to God. She beat my ass, but I had sex after it. <laughs> like a whole, oh man. Oh, that's a good man. That is that is fucking good. Like that is, I love that. When I first started, I wanted to be able to do an impression. I could never, I can never do impressions. Yeah. And man, that there's something about it. A good impression. When you hear it, it's like a stamp where you go, Oh, this, like it is, it is certifiable as opposed to con- like a joke, like a stand up joke where you right. go like, that's a good joke. There's so many guys doing like good jokes. You're like, yeah, the second you hear a good impression, you're like, oh, fuck. That is, I mean, the, the thing that a lot of folks don't notice is the reason why impressions, impersonation is an art, and the reason why it is fun, and the reason why people laugh is because it's the truth. Just like it's like, it's a mirror. You can see that person. So if you're, imperson- if you're impersonating somebody, you're telling the truth about them, and you're doing good, you're telling the truth. It's just in, in comedy, it's truth. Truth. Truth gets the laughs. I can relate to that. That's why I'm laughing. You see somebody that you watched on television. You see somebody that you see somebody you grew up with. You see you see all these people in the media, and somebody does that, and you can pick it up, and you're like, "Wow, that's spot on." You're laughing because it's truth. So it's a it's a skill. It's a skill like crafting a joke. But craft it's they're two different skills, but still, it takes it's truth in it, and that's why that's what makes it funny. And I get, sometimes I get agitated, you know, uh, probably in my earlier days, but not now, when people would just say, oh, man, oh, well, you do, you do an impression. That's not funny. What's so, what's so funny about that? Because it's the truth, bro. It's the truth. You you and Frank Caliendo are the two guys that probably floored me the most in my career where I go, where I go, where I just sat there and I was like, and you're right. It's the truth. It's the subtleties, you know? 
People think it's just the sound that you make. It's not. It's the sweat of God. Sweat like <laughs> it's catching up on the little nuance that that person has in there. Do you? Is that how when you when you see someone that's? Is it the little thing that you catch first and you go, "Oh, I gotta build yeah. around that." I try to when I am impersonating somebody. I try. I try to pick up on uh, the repetition repetition that they use whether it's a catchphrase whether whether it's a tick whether it's a a body movement like that's that's what draws me immediately like you know we, we're talking about you talk about somebody like denzel washington um and you know denzel you know he starts with the face his face starts going like this and he all right okay yeah that's what it is okay oh, all right okay <laughs> okay all right. but it's like all the it's <laughs> it's all of that it is the <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's what it is, huh? Bert, hey, hey, hey. Hey, I saw what you did. I saw what you did with Tom Sabora. Let me tell you right now, that shit was hilarious. Huh? Huh? That's a great one. I lost you. It went mute for some reason. I lost you. It hit mute. It hit mute. Huh? Oh, there you go. Somebody there you called go. me. Hey, hey, hey. Somebody called me. That was one of my dimes. Huh? One of my lovely. Huh? I was asked what it was. Huh? Huh? No, I'm kidding. That was Devon Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. So, yeah, but it's truth, bro. It's it, it's the truth, man. And this, you know, I don't know if you've been uh, following with a, a couple of us have been doing on social media, but me, Atheon Crockett, uh, uh, Godfrey, um, uh, even Ari Spears. Um, we, you know, we we've kind of done like impression videos, and they've been like conversations, and they've been like going wild, bro. Everybody's kind of like really digging it. Um, and it's, it's, dude, it's a good exercise just to stay like Jay-Z versus Jay-Z or some shit or whatever. Oh, wow. Gosh, it's fun. It's just fun, man. And it's, it, w- with me and with uh, a couple of other folks, man, it's not a competition thing, man. It's like, you know, we happen to be good at it. Like, you know, I'm good at impressions. That's what I started doing. And now, um, after years on the circuit doing stand-up now my stand-up is good as well it wasn't like that at first but <laughs> nigga i worked i worked why, why call you the n-word i don't know why hey, okay why? i like it it makes me feel good <laughs> okay <laughs> so wait did you start you started in virginia yeah 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 yeah. so i started uh i started doing voices when i was six but i started doing um i started doing stand-up when i was 16 virginia idol talent search man uh, at the, it was at the Virginia House of Comedy, which is torn down now. But um, yeah, out of that whole competition of like 300 folks, bro, I got like fifth place out of it. And I was 16. So, you know, that kind of gave me the fire to just keep going with it. And the difference um, with the Virginia comedy scene, and it's definitely elevated now. But back in the day, there was like one room. There were like two, one or two rooms that you could work out at. You couldn't really get better quickly by staying in Virginia. So that was that 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 became um uh that became reason for me to uh go to New York and and hit the shitless circuit up there where you're doing you're doing like six rooms a night and they're giving you like fifty dollars seventy five dollars and you're you're performing at Jamaican restaurants and uh <laughs> Jamaicans are looking at you like you bet would be funny boy because if you're not no make a pop fit him in your head no you, you gotta fuck you gotta be funny. You're performing yeah. in front of Latins and Dominicans. No, Papa, Papa, I don't like that, Papa. You better do the joke good, Papa. Because <laughs> if you're not funny, hey, 
We're going to hit you with the merengue. <laughs> I don't even know if you get hit, but listen, we're going to throw something at you. If you like pina coladas, like pina colada, throw it in your face and call your phone. <laughs> so it was, it was all of that. Yes, yes. It was all of that. Just, um, you know, working those rooms, man, and, and, and being young and hungry and just wanting to get better, man. I, you know, in anything I do, I don't give a fuck what it is, whether I'm playing guitar, whether I'm playing Call of Duty, uh, whether I'm whether I'm bungee jumping, whether I'm sleeping with somebody, I'm trying to get better every time I do. And that's, that's the best. I think that's the best thing to do. Appreciate that, love. Appreciate that. Appreciate did, it. Did you, are you drinking a beer? No, I will. No, no, it's not. No, you're gonna be mad. It's a yeah. It's a beer. It's a beer. It's fucking beer. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> it's a Angry Orchard Hard Cider. Oh, those are fucking awesome. Thank, thank you, Bert. Thank you. Those Somebody are. Somebody tried awesome. to talk about me yesterday, a few days ago, because I had one of these. Oh, those are for pussies. I said, well, shit. I guess I'm a pussy then. Dude, they are awesome. We did. I did a podcast with two. Uh, two British comics and they mm-hmm. said, they said, you know, we're, re- we really only drink cider. And I said, I've heard of cider, but I never had one. Right. And I said, why don't you go get some cider? And I was like, oh, I'll go get some cider. We'll do a podcast. And I went to the store and I was like, I need cider. And they go, yeah, angry orchard. And I went, no, no, not angry orchard. That's like uh for girls. I want like cider for men. And they're like, it's angry orchard. And I went, wait, what? And you go, they go, that's our cider here. It's a cider. It's very common. You'll like it. I got some man. I, I like it. It for me is the best afternoon in the pool. Yes. It's, it's so refreshing. It's so crisp. It's it's crisp. It, it's yeah. yes. it's delicious. It's the I, listen. This I, you know, Smirnoff gets a bad rap. Mike's Heart Lemonade gets a bad rap. And these are drinks that I used to drink when I first started drinking. Of course, my drink of choice now, uh, Bert, is uh, a gin and club soda. That's what the fuck I like doing. Yeah, you know I mean, I'm a gin man, you know. Really, I'm a gin man, bro. Like I go like that's that's my thing. Tangeray, Bombay Sapphire, bro. That's that's my shit. If you want to make me happy, give me some Tangeray or some Justin, some wine, some Justin. I drink wine too, you know. Yeah. Did your parents yeah. drink? Yeah. Well, yeah. They they have. Yeah. They trust. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Now, my, my mom is a good drink. My father, on the other hand, God bless him, but he's got a baby bladder, so he can't handle he can't handle uh, uh, mad drinks. My mom can drink like yeah. she, my mom can have eight nine. She'll still she'll she'll be good. She'll be talking. She'll have a she'll have a good conversation with you. My dad, he get like one and a half. It's a wrap. You got to pick him up. <laughs> you you got to carry him out. You got to carry him out the club straight up. Like what did he have? He just had a. He had a Long Island iced tea. Oh, why did you give him that? <laughs> I would like to thank our sponsor, Whoop, for sponsoring this podcast. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on how you sleep, how you recover, and how much stress is put on your body from a day-to-day based on workouts, the normal stresses in your life. It is the best fitness tracker I have ever used. I could not live without it, especially with what we're going through in this current situation. In quarantine, it couldn't be more important to monitor the stress being put on our bodies and how we're recovering on a day-to-day basis. As our routines change, you know, first thing I do every morning is I, I open my whoop and I check to see how I sleep. Last night, 65%. I haven't worked out yet today. That is my sleep. I look at it the first thing I wake up. It's actually made me more conscious of how I sleep because 
this score you get is a recovery score based on your HRV, your resting heart rate, and your sleep performance that can be used as an indicator on how to approach your next day. It really is next level. The Whoop app even has a built-in feature called the Strain Coach, which I love because it gives you target exertion goals to work out optimally for the level of intensity your body is signaling that it can handle. So if you're stuck training at home, this, this workout coach is amazing. And it's also got a sleep coach. So you hit this and it tells you when you want to wake up, what time you need to go to sleep, and how much sleep you're going to need to recover. For my listeners right now, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter the code BERT at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. You won't regret it. This podcast is also brought to you by Fiverr. The way we're working today seems to be changing overnight, every single day. And the one thing we've learned is having access to the right resources is essential for adapting your business. Whether your business is dealing like mine is in media, I'm always looking for the right talent and I can never find them. I'm always looking for a graphic designer, an editor, someone to help me with music, all of that. And it can be time consuming, frustrating, and outright expensive. Whether you're launching your first business or scaling your current business in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's global community of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. Find what you're looking for instantly. It's so easy. You can customize your search by service, deadline, price, seller review, or so much more. It's no more in the guessing game. You'll know exactly what you're paying for upfront, no negotiation needed, 24-7 customer service, and it is a network of quality talent you can count on. Freelancers have worked with some of the most influential brands in the world. Find freelancers that are ready when you are. Fiverr's platform is flexible enough to accommodate and manage the ebb and flow of business. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my promo code BERTCAST. Find all the digital services you need in one place at Fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Use the code BERTCAST again. That's Fiverr.com and use the code BERTCAST. What, what, are you an only child? Nope, it's me and my sister. Oh, wow. Um, so, older and my younger, sister, younger. Uh, my sister is, uh, is, is older than I am. And she's actually my manager, too, bro. People didn't know really? that. Really? Yeah, yeah. She's been my manager since I was 19. At first, it was my father, but I did a show in Onacock, Virginia. Pause. I know that's a weird name. Did a show in Onacock, Virginia. And then, um, I'm going home, and my dad goes, uh, he says, uh, well, uh, uh, it's, it's time to pay me. And I said, well, what do you think you deserve? Never say that to somebody because they're going to tell you what they think you deserve, what they think they deserve. He goes, uh, half. I said, half? You have my check. Now, mind you, I'm a broke kid at this time. I work at Burlington Coat Factory. I don't have a lot of bread. I got paid $200 for that one gig. And, and to me, I was a freaking millionaire at the time. I was like, oh, my God, $200 just yeah. for 15 minutes of comedy? What? My dad said he wanted half. I said, you know what? I don't need you as my manager anymore because I'm not smashing you. You're not my wife. You're not getting half. <laughs> and then I hired my sister. And she started. <laughs> and she started. She's been working with me ever since for 13 Good. years. Got home, walked right back to your sister's bedroom. You're like, hey, if you're going to manage me, how much would you take? She goes, 15%. You're like, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how it happened, too. How much you take, Shana? 10. Got you. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking great. Fucking hired. Oh, that's <laughs> fucking great. What, uh, so wait, what were your, what were your parents like? 
Like, uh, were they they super supportive of you getting into stand up? Yeah, man. You know, I had the type of parents. My, my parents are so are so caring and, and super supportive. They just wanted me to do something. They just wanted me to get to, to be professional at something because, mm-hmm. dude, I was all over the place. Dog. I had ADD. I was in I, I was in I was in theater. I was rapping. I was doing comedy. So my father was like, you got to get a trade. I was like, nah, I, I trade. Fuck a trade. I don't, I don't need a trade. You do need a trade. You need to go to tech school. So I went to tech school. I studied computers. Um, then I said, fuck computers. They suck. I mean, they don't when you're looking at Pornhub, but they suck. I don't want to fix this. So um, my parents were, when I started doing stand-up, they were really, they were really gun-ho for it, man. And, you know, they told me when I was 20 years old, um, a matter of fact, I was 21. This is the year before I got SNL. They said, all right, <clears throat> you do this stand-up thing. If it don't work out in a year, you got to go back to school. You got to, uh, you know, you got you to gotta do something. You got to go to school or you got to find a job to get working. And somehow that year, it, you know, I was on the road by myself with my sister. Um, we, 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 we went up, we did a chitlin circuit. You know what I mean? I was making bread like that. Um, <clears throat> somehow an audition got seen by NBC, uh, that I did for pink house, uh, a pilot that never came out, uh, never came, never became a show. And, um, I had a deal on the table. Um, I had a, I had a deal on the table from NBC. It was going to be with Scott Stuber. He, he wanted to do uh, a story about me going off to private school for a year. And coming back and like conquering, uh, being bullied. You know what I mean? Uh, we were about to do that, but I had in mind when I was that young. I said, "Look, if I do a pilot with this story and it don't get picked up, then I'm gonna be on the shelf for like a few years." You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't want that to happen. I said, "I need to, I need to be able to be in an establishment that's already that already perpetuates and moves itself, and it's already been there." Yeah. So. Uh, I, I kid you not. A couple months later, Fox gave me had they wanted to do uh, they wanted uh, they wanted me to do a show with Atheon Crockett. We were supposed to do that show in the flow. You, you remember that show he had in the flow with Atheon Crockett? It was I like, do. Yep. So we were supposed to do that. Um, I said, okay, same situation. I'm like, yo, if if it don't get picked up, then I'm fucked. Another deal came through. That's when SNL came. I said, ah, okay. That came in in uh, September because I auditioned. It came in August actually. I auditioned, sent them audition tape. Uh, went in there to test. Three weeks later, got the job. I said, "This is the right situation because they're already established, so I can build my fan base from here, get off the show, then have my own show, and then uh, get that fan base from SNL that was watching me to come over and still support me." And I kind of did that. With uh, White Famous. Yeah, you did. You know, you know, um, unfortunate, you know, we only had one season, but still, it was able, it, it, the pilot got picked up and I did a season. So people are still watching that to this day. I still get hit up about that. So, you know, um, when I was younger, man, I was just trying to make uh, strong career moves and I, I was trying to figure out what would make me uh, more longevity. And SNL was it was it was the most logical option, bro. And it's you know it's great. So, what was your fondest oh, memory of of SNL? Like, what was the fun part? And then and then what was the shitty part? 
the city part. You mean every day? I'll fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The fun, the most fun part of SNL was getting a chance um, to grow as a comic and to brush to brush shoulders with so many people that um, I admired and and you know that I'm a fan of and that uh, ultimately have ended up becoming my colleagues because you know we've done stuff like Kerry Washington, dude. Work, that episode with Kerry Washington was one of my best episodes, not only because um, I was on, because, of course, it's going to be fun when your ass is on screen. Of course, yeah. you're all just doing goodnights. You fucking hate that place. But um, it was it, it, it was a week where a lot of the stuff that I had written got on. Like that song, What Does My Girl Say? Like, dude, I had broken up with my, I broke up with my ex and it, that happened around the same time. And that's why I, that's literally why I wrote that. And that went viral. And I think that that saved, that saved my job that season. I think it did. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That 28 reasons. Um, what dude, it, 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 it was so much that night, but that night with Kerry Washington with, with with her playing Oprah and her doing me doing doing my character Mr. Fry and everything working together, bro. It just everything was it was worth it. It was worth it. I was I was facing a lot of shit that season too, bro. Like really, I, I almost got fired that I almost got fired that season, um, just because I was uh you know I I voiced my opinion about you know uh the black talent black female talent on the show. And that ended up getting me in trouble. I didn't mean anything by it. But, you know, I was asked. They said, uh, you know, do you think black women are funny? And, you know, are there funny black women out there that can be on SNL? And I was like, of course there are. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking anything bad. I was just talking. And it caught fire. And then uh, SNL. What was, the thing, what was the thing people got hung up on? What was the, that black women are funny? Right. But there hadn't been one on the show for so yeah. long. Yeah, and you know what though? It's it's that that show that show sometimes it pigeonholes people of color, in my opinion. I, I've I've always felt like it's it gives like it's I and by the way, I may be established this by listening to Damon Wayne's because Damon Wayne's just came out and said the reason he got fired was because they were just putting him in every scene as the black guy. And you're like, now we got a black cop, now we got a black security guard. It's the black guy that works at Subway. Right. And you're right. It didn't. It doesn't really allow. I, I wonder if some part of them goes. Eddie Murphy overwhelmed the cast so much that they were like, "Well, we don't want to be put in that situation again, where it's just a black guy show." You know what I mean? And I know, I know they've never said that. I know they can't be thinking that way. But I go, you had Chris fucking Rock on the show, right. and he just played the black guy. Here's here's something else too. During the time Eddie Murphy was there, it was the management was different. Like Lauren had left for five years and then he came back. So during that time that um, SNL was at a lull, Eddie Murphy was like literally the only bright spot on that show. So they had no choice but to just give him the ranks at that time because he was the one that was he was the one that was bringing all the attention to the show. Yeah. You know, I look at. I look at my tenure on the show and I, I look at uh, I look at how much uh, virality a lot of my clips had even before I got on the show. And every time I would show up, the shit would go viral like they would take it and go viral. But 
you know, I was told by some folks, I'm not going to say who it is, but I was told by some folks that, listen, yo, you're like a bright spot and we want to sprinkle you in. We want to keep sprinkling you in, you know, just sprinkle you in there. But I'm like, but you've been sprinkling me for three seasons, man. Like, I'm trying to, you know what I mean? Like, I want to, like, yeah, yo, put me, put me in the sauce, put me in the mix. And it had a negative effect towards the folks who um, they did captivate from uh, the viral clips, from my, from my viral clips, everything, from the people who started watching SNL, they were expecting, they were like, oh, they're going to put Jay Farrell on, and they stopped, some folks stopped watching. Like, I, like because they were like, well, they're not going to put them on, well, they, they didn't fucking watch. And, um, you know, that, that itself, to me, man, that, that was frustrating. But at the same time, I could have I could have been more political with a lot of things. I could have I could have probably um, uh, you know been more. Uh, hey guys, how y'all doing? Like you know more sociable instead of being you know I could have been more I could have been more gregarious than I was you know because sometimes I'll be like all right cool I'm not in anything cool what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go do stand up bam that's what I'm gonna do you know what I mean it wasn't like all right let me talk to this person let me. Let me, let, yo, what, what's wrong with this sketch? Why didn't you pick the sketch? What, what, what's going, what's, what's happening? What do I need to change? What can I fix? Yeah. Stuff like that. You know I read, I, mean? I read Chris Rock say this and I, you know, someone told me the other day that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fixated. I'm obsessed with racism and, and I think I see it in places that sometimes people don't see it because I know right. people. But like you look at, and and I could be very wrong about this, but you look at a the the breeding ground of SNL is is all young Harvard kids, young kind of right. like twenty one, fresh faced, very liberal, not racist at all. No, I wouldn't say anyone on that cast is racist, but but it, it leans into what is um, privilege and 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 kind of exclusion of a bunch of kids that I don't think are racist at all, but don't know a lot of black people and don't know how to interact with black people and don't understand. Um, I was explaining to my wife was explaining to me how uh, I had two famous white people with Miss Pat and they did not understand Miss Pat. They thought she was angry. And I said, it's not angry. That's just how black people talk. Like you, you just don't know a lot of black people. And they were like, well, what do you mean? I don't know a lot of black people. I was like, I understand that you may know the one that does your hair and makeup, but that's not the one I'm talking about. Like I'm talking about Miss Pat. Right. And so, and I think it's for me. I'm I'm a different age, and I grew up in the South, and I think that inclusion was was something that sports brought into everyone. So you just kind of knew everyone growing up. But when you're a young, kind of maybe like nose in your book kind of kid from Harvard who writes comedy, you you're first. You're not going to take a stab at writing for black people as much as you are maybe a Kristen Wiig who you get it like. Tiny hands, you know, like right. leans into that where they go, how do we write for, say, um, for like a Jay Farrow? You even look at the Tracy Morgan sketches and it was almost like I, I got to say it was like absurdist comedy at times of going. He, you can see that I mean, it was really all like alternative comedy when Tracy would do that show because <laughs> he would play a character and you could almost see Tracy Morgan playing a character on SNL at times, you know, which right. made it kind of meta and funny in and of itself. Right. 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 And, I, <clears throat> and I think when they see a guy like you, maybe like walking through, see you're not on his sketches, hood up, I'm going out of the cellar, I'm going to do spots. 
they shut down and they go, uh, how come he isn't like going like, Hey guys, so what are we working on in here? Let's, let's all throw out like it's and Chris Rock had said, it wasn't that SNL was racist. He said, and by the way, I'm paraphrasing. So I apologize. But I'm misquoting. <laughs> he said, it wasn't that SNL was racist. It was that he didn't have the shorthand available to communicate with white people the way an Adam Sandler or a David Spade who had grown up around white people did. And that shorthand was in essence, the racism like he he didn't know he his dad didn't look like lauren michaels but adam sandler's did so right if you're talking to someone who looks like your dad you're immediately comfortable but if you're talking to someone who always looks like the guy who maybe is putting you in jail or or like that's what that guy looks like that's what that guy fucking looks like uh. and, and there's a shorthand that's missing which i i i find that that little that little fissure in society I find it fascinating because I don't think I don't think those young writers ever meant for that fissure to be there. But when you see right. someone like you who's so talented not be on that show or not blow up on that show, you go, you can't ignore that fissure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah totally. I'm sorry, I'm getting my uh, I'm getting my charger here because my phone was uh, my phone was uh, is dying a little bit. Five percent. Hold on, real quick. But yeah, man. Um, like and the reason you didn't pop bigger on that show. You are amazing with just every character. You're better than any of the characters, like any of the impressionists they've ever had. But more importantly, that and this is what I love about you is that you can you can take a scene, a storytelling scene, a, a stand up bit, and create characters within it. Just just you doing your dad's voice so quickly makes me know your dad. And I go, wow, now I'm curious about his dad. Did his dad drink? Like, it, it doesn't seem like he did. It seemed like your dad was, like, almost, like, ex-military. Like, come on, we got, we're going to work hard. We're going to get up early. We're going to mow the lawn. Uh -huh. Have a catch. Like, it's, it so it, that's my, uh, that's my, my soapbox. I mean, it's, you know, I will say this. I will say this, Bert, as, as I did, as I stayed there more, I learned. I learned how to communicate and talk to folks and just, you know, and be around and hang around. Whereas I probably wasn't doing that as much in the beginning. But then you got to the, you, you get towards, you got to season six. And um, it's like, all right, cool. Season six, what popped the most for me for season six? It was that, it was the comedians meeting. That shit blew the fuck up. More so, more so even past the show, like, online overseas like that clip had literally bro that clip had like over a hundred and to this day it's got over like 200 million hits on it bro like just just that just that alone you see me going places like steve harvey you see me just do the characters and it just it blows up i feel like if i would have done that same sketch year one which I was dreading. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that because it's low hanging fruit. It's just me going out there doing impressions. But it's like, yeah. But if that shit would have popped the first year like it did on year six, they would have had the people would have had no choice but to be like, all right, well, cool. It's popping. We gotta, we gotta try to, we gotta try to figure it out. We have to try to figure it out. Let's figure it out with him more so than oh, now it's popping. Now the stuff is pop, which it's shit that I do all the time anyway. 
And all right, well, cool. What, what, well, it's it's it has its life right there. What can we do with it now? It's been, he's been here. You know what I mean? I just yeah. wish I would have done that the first year. And Leslie Jones is the person who convinced me to do that sketch. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I literally, I give you some insight. That comedian's meeting sketch, she said, yo, Kevin and Kat are beefing. You got to talk about it. I was like, I say, but I do this. People know that I do this. No, everybody doesn't know that you do this because you get exposed to new people every week. Yeah. There's, you have to, you got to go into a situation thinking every, especially that situation, every week is a new show. And they tell you that, but it doesn't click. It don't click until later. Every week is a new show. There are new people watching you every week, even in stand-up, whatever it is, bro. You know how it is. You, you, your joins on Netflix. Like, dude, your shit, it's a machine, bro. You got the machine. You got your, It's just one beast fed the other one. And you're like, wow, people are discovering this. Like, I did this how long ago? And they're discovering it, but now they're fans. So yeah. you have to go in it. You have to be optimistic. And, and, and you have to, you got to go in there with a free mind. You got to say to yourself, yo, they, I got to put on every time I perform because there's somebody out there who has not seen me yet and they're just going to introduce mm-hmm. me. And from that aspect, from that narrative, I'm going to, I'm going to carry this like it's the first time. It's an illusion of the first time. Yeah. You know? So, it's yeah, so bro. True, it's, it's our egos fuck with us because you go, you get on stage, you're like, man, I don't want to do that old shit. I want to do this new shit. I want to, I don't want to. Man, these people know me. And then sometimes you forget. I, Josh Wolf told me one time, I was like, he's like, hey, man, do you mind telling the machine story on my podcast? And I said, well, I've told it so many times. He goes, can I say something? It's going to sound disrespectful, but I don't mean it that way. I said, what? And he goes, uh, he goes, not all my fans have ever heard you on Rogan. So like pretend none of them have. So just tell it. Dude, all of a sudden I told him on his podcast and it got so big. And I was like, fuck, mm-hmm. I really was like, you're not the people who love you are going to go oh yeah this is he can do he can kill this this is what he's good at but the people that never seen you are go oh shit wow yeah right yeah yeah Yeah, they're going to be even more amazed yeah what was it like what was it like getting how did you get fired from snl uh well leaving it was white famous had come into play and the year before was it was it a pivot it was. It, it was a pivot. It was like this. The year before, I think my season 40, I had, I had the worst season ever. Like, my season was so bad. Um, <laughs> I couldn't get anything on. And I've been there for five years. Like, yeah. I've been there for five years. The only thing I got on got cut, and they put it up. I think they put it online. It was, uh, it was the Louis C.K. sketch, uh, and I did this character called Stereo. And he was like, yo, let me get that off you. Yo, yo, let me get that off you. Yo, yo, let me get that sense of accomplishment off you. He was trying to steal shit and borrow things that you can't borrow from people. Hey, yo, let me get that height off you. Like, shit like that? Yeah. That went online. I had no other sketches that were just me that season. The only one, the only one I can say, the only one I can say that went to air was the sketch that I wrote with Pete Davidson, um, with Kevin Hart. And it was the chocolate dropper sketch. And that damn song, pew, 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 pew. Bow, 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 bow. Gunshot sounds, bow. Freaking wrote that. It yeah. went it went off. It went off. And I didn't even have, I had three lines in the whole shit. It's like, it's Kevin's fucking sketch. 
Yeah. So that year, man, I was so frustrated. 2014 and 2015 season when Leslie Jones and Pete Davidson and all them came in. I was talking to my agent and I was like, yo, bro. I said, I don't know if I could do this anymore, bro. I was like, literally, I feel like I feel like LeBron James not getting put in the game. That's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like that. It's like, yo, I know I'm talented. I, I have it. I do. I'm doing stand up. I got shows. I'm getting stand innovations. People are laughing. What the hell is the problem? So I told my agent, I don't know if I could do it. And that summer, they do this thing where they, they do this thing where they'll wait. They'll tell you if you're coming back. They do that uh. every year. Every year, they have an option to uh, renew you for another year. Your contract is up to seven years, right? But yeah. as soon as the season is over, you can pretty much you can pretty much say everybody is unemployed because they haven't sent out letters telling you you're going to get picked up yet. But um, that season, man, season 2015, 2016, my agent was like, all right, man. He was like, keep, he was like, stay in there and stay in there. We'll start looking for stuff, but just stay in there for this year. Tough it out. It will get better. We'll talk to Lauren. Lauren has always been really cool, man. Lauren, Lauren is one of the coolest people. And, and, and I owe and I owe everything. I, I owe a lot to that man. Um, damn, damn near every goddamn thing that I got um, because he put me in Main Street, straight up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So never, Lauren Michaels, never a problem with, never a problem with Lauren or anything like anything like that. Um, he talked to me the beginning of that season, and he was like, "You're gonna have a good season this year." He's like, "Don't worry." He's like, "You have a great season this year." Um, I said, "All right, man." And 2015 and 2016 was one of my best seasons. I would say that one. I would say my first, my first, my last, and probably 2000 and 2013 to 2014. Those seasons were my greatest seasons. And um, uh, White Famous came into play. White Famous came into play uh, probably – 2016 around that spring and they said there's a project that you can work on potentially after you leave here i said oh well that's dope let's get let's see what it is originally they had david wayne jr for it uh he didn't <clears throat> something happened with it um they couldn't get something together and uh, i met up with jamie and you know he told me about it and i was like all right i knew tim's story i said okay let's do it now that summer Still, I did not have, I, I didn't have my, I didn't have my pickup papers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, I had White Famous already. So, was sitting there waiting, um, talked to the producers. The producer said, hey, they said, can you come in the first episode? If you get this show, can you come in the first episode? I said, yeah, sure. He's like, can you, can you still, can you still try to, you know, can we still work something here? I was like, yeah. A week later, something, I don't know what the hell happened. And it wasn't even just me because they were going to get rid of a whole, they were going to get rid of all of the older folks. That's what they said, the, the older people. But um, they said uh, a week later, they were like, nah, you, you can go ahead and just do that show. We're good. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and do what I need to do. They're like, yep. And that was the exodus. That was the exodus. Straight really? up. Yeah. 
So it was Straight no even up. like real closure of like Lauren sitting you down in his office and going, nah, nah, nah. it would not. It was not. There, there wasn't. It wasn't a closure. I've been back. And we've we've conversed. You know, sat in his office, uh, talked to him. Um, you know, he's asked me. You know, how, how's everything going? You know, so we're still friendly. I still go back uh, Christmas episodes and finales, and I chill because that's my family. It's like it's like leaving. It's like leaving college and going back home. But um, yeah, there was never like a oh uh, yeah we're letting you. I had to. There was a. I mean, I talked to the producers on phone and they were like, um, yeah, we know we're sorry about this. You know, it's, it's sad. I said, look, I said, okay. Okay. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, when, when are y'all releasing, when are y'all going to release the information? When are y'all going to release the information? Oh, well, we're going to do it. You can release it if you want to. I was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to release it. I'm not going to do anybody's dirty work. All right. If y'all y'all want to put it up, it's fine. I just need to know. So the announcement of my show, <laughs> when it hits, it gets the pickup it's supposed to get. So when is this going to happen? It was more for me. I was on some business. I'm, I'm always I'm always on some business shit, man. Fuck fuck emotions. Fuck all of that. Fuck how fuck how things might have made me feel at the time. Even though it was, it, I just I had a a business mind. I was just like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. When are we announcing it? How are we going to carry on with this? And then, bam. And then you saw the, the information. They, they put out the thing. I had let go. And then the next day, the article came out that I had a pilot <laughs> at Showtime. So, yeah. but all of it was, it was like working at the same time. It was, it was working at the same time. So even if I would have went back to SNL, um, I probably would have been uh, limited uh, my last my last year on the show, but um, having that seventh year, you know, and being able to do that, you know, it would have been it would have been fun because I had a lot of good, both. yeah, because yeah. I could have done both, and I had a lot of good characters my last season that were, were like, yo, I had Denny the Real, I had the Wand. I had this, this uh, update character, Roman, the travel dude. Oh, God, man, he always got it wrong. And I was starting to, I was so young, Bert, when I got the show. I was 22. I was 22. When I left the show, I was 28. You know what I mean? That's still so fucking, I started stand-up when I was 26. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. See, so I was a, I was a baby, even leaving, dog. I was, I was a baby. I was a baby. And still, I'm, look, I'm 32, man. You know what I mean? I just started having kids at 32. I was, I was featuring at 32. <laughs> I was featuring I was featuring for Louis C.K., David Tell, and Daniel Tosh when I was 32. Yeah. How was that? It was fucking it was amazing. Fun. I would love to go yeah. back to then. That was amazing, dude. I was My whole life was ahead of me. I was so passionate about stand-up. All I did was write. All I did was get on stage. I just had a baby. I was in Miami. For three weeks in a row, it was uh, it was literally almost exactly to this date, practically, uh, and I was it was fucking awesome. It was like just I was this is to put in perspective. This is when Louis made the transition from like absurdist silly comedy to what he does now, and it was oh, that wow. that was the week. And I watched him. He went up and he goes, "My daughter's a cunt," and I was like, "Everyone's like, what?" <laughs> he was like anyone who doesn't get you laid is a cunt. 
fucker. <laughs> he goes, what would you call someone who sat at their front door and wouldn't put their shoes on? You'd call him a cunt. Cunt. Like it was, he was <laughs> dude, I was, I was there that weekend watching him grow to where he is, you know, where he developed into like this amazing voice, but it was like, he had just given up on, it was, it was an interesting time. You're, but man, I would, I would love, I can't imagine. Uh, I can't imagine being in your shoes right now at 32 and yeah. so broke at 32. You have no fucking idea. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Raycon. Whether you're working from your home, working on your fitness, or if you're like me and you're laying in bed listening to an audiobook on North Korea and you don't want to wake up your wife, you need a set of earbuds. But not everyone wants to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars on an earbud. If you don't want to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know Raycon earbuds start about half the price as any of the premium wireless earbuds on the market. And that they sound just as amazing as the top audio brands that you already know of. I tried them out on my treadmill one time, listening to a podcast, listening to music. Through them in, I'm telling you, you cannot tell the difference. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Raycon's earbuds are so comfortable. They're perfect for the conference crawl or as I use binging on podcasts, these things are tiny. They flow in right there, connected. Well, it just paired to my phone immediately. And I can go to sleep and listen. With, I just listen with one ear, and then I got to find them in the morning because I end up kicking them out at some point, or I wake up with them in. Unlike your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. No dangling wire stems to distract anyone during a call. It looks ridiculous when you have the stem sticking out. You're like, we get it. You've heard me talk about how the company was founded by Ray J and other celebrities like. Cardi B, I've been talking a lot about her with Tom, Snoop Dogg, Brandy, J.R. Smith. Everyone's obsessed with these Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what all the hype is about. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash BurtCast. That's buyraycon.com slash BurtCast for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash BurtCast. So it's a... I, I don't take anything. I don't take anything in this business for granted, man. And um, I've had, I've already had a longevity career already. Dude, and- all you have to do, all you have to do, honestly, this is like, I mean, I look at your career and where you're at right now, and I go, all you have to do, legit, is not get addicted to drugs, and just be an okay guy. And you will be massively successful for the rest of your life. Like, just go to clubs, do spots, be an okay guy. You don't even have to be the nicest guy. You're like, you don't even have to be the nicest guy. Just like, not that bad of a guy, and don't get addicted to drugs. That's it. Just, just be half a dick, not a full dick. Think just of half absolute dick. dicks who still have made it in this business, and you go, fuck. Just all you have to do is half that. And you're so yeah. talented. It's gonna be. I mean, it's like it's gonna be a very interesting ride. What was it like going from? SNL, where I I always think is a lily white uh, kind of gilded cage of right. white writers to go to uh, white famous, where it's it is all black men running the show. It's not, but th- th- here's the thing: it wasn't. It wasn't. It Was wasn't. You, like Chris that. Spencer, Chris, Chris Spencer, Jamie Fox, Chris Spencer, C- Chris and Jamie. They weren't. I mean, 
Tom Kapanos was writing. Really? So they didn't even, they weren't even like on the show getting a chance to, to chime, chime in for real. Like it was a black show and it was written by, it was written by a Caucasian male, not taking anything away from Tom Kapanos because Tom Kapanos is an amazing writer. He's amazing. Yeah. Dawson's Creek, Lucifer, yeah. countless, countless hit making shows, but he's not black. He's not. That's so important because the things that you notice in life will always be different than the things I notice. Yeah. Like, and look, I mean, especially when we're talking about race. Yeah. And Bert, this is some real, this is some real shit, man. This, this, even during this quarantine as a black man, my eyes have been further open. Dude, I got Dude. wrong. Bro, I got wrong. I got detained last week. Right, right off of, uh, right off of Ventura. Ventura and Corbin, man. Wrongfully detained. I was jogging. I was jogging <laughs> like I'm jerking off. I was jogging. <laughs> I'm jogging. I'm like doing push Yeah, just <laughs> and I'm really killing it. <laughs> I was really working. <laughs> so I'm jogging down Ventura, man. I have a running app, Bert. I have a fucking running app, man. I, it, it, it tracks how many miles I'm doing a day. Because you got to do something during Corona to not lose your fucking head. I'm running. I see the cops from the left of my. Eye. <laughs> I'm running. Okay. <laughs> I love. I love it. Even 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 when you're exercising, you go. I see the cops out of my corner of my eye. You're like, so they're there. <laughs> right, right. So the cops at the corner of my from the left hand side. I'm running. I'm jogging at a steady pace. My app is about to tell me that I need to take a break. All of a sudden, guns blazing. Freeze! Get on the ground! I'm looking like, oh, shit. Whoever this black guy is about to get, about to take some video footage because they about to fuck him up. <laughs> they, come, they come to me. They're like, you on the ground? I said, nigga, me? I ain't done shit. Put your hands on the ground. Put spread your hands on the ground like you're doing an airplane. I put my hands on the ground. They grab my arm, put the cuffs on me. I said, "Are you fucking?" I said, "Yo, are you fucking? Are you putting cuffs on me?" Yeah, you fit the description of a suspect, Bert. I've never even had cuffs on in the bedroom. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, and as I'm getting put on the ground, as I'm getting put. On the corona ground. With all homeless piss, everything's on the fucking ground of the tour. My app says stop running. I said, bitch, I don't have a choice. <laughs> I don't have a fucking choice. They they sat me up. They said, Do you want to sit on the side? I said, No, I don't want to sit down, man. I'm sweating. Bert, I'm sweating. Just all of this is wet. I'm on the you've had me on the ground. Bitch, I can have Corona. You, you come blazing your guns. You don't got your Sub-Zero mask on. You don't got no gloves on. None of that. You yeah. niggas don't look like ninjas. You look like officers. And you're fucking... You're fucking... That's yeah. what happened. Put me on the ground. Five minutes. Four, four minutes. Four minutes later. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. I'm sorry. You're the wrong guy. Oh, I just got a call. And I think they did that. Because when they asked me for my name, I said, I don't have ID. I said, but if you type Jay Farrell in on Google, you will see that you were making a 
big mistake right now. And I think they did it. And they came back and was like, oh, I got the wrong nigger. And they let me go. <laughs> I think that's 20 months. Dude, I was so, I called up Steve Harvey. I was so, I was so fucking hurt. I hit up Steve and I told him what happened. And I was like, Steve, man, I said, I, I got to talk to you because cause something just happened. I got a wrong bullet in the tank. He was like, the hell? But it looks like you got a taste of hell of being of a black man <laughs> in America. <laughs> That's all he said. <laughs> he said I got a black man sandwich, a black man breakfast sandwich. That's what the fuck I got. I, I got. And that's what happened. Uh-huh. Now, lawyers, we are all lawyers. Everybody's involved in it. But what I'm telling you is this: even now, I'm discovering more about my black side. Now, I have never, dude, I've never been put in cuffs ever. Never, I've never got a ticket. So to have that. And, you know, thank God it didn't go the other way because it could have easily went the other way, bro. And I could have been on I could have been on the uh, on the six o'clock news or whatever. And, yeah. you know, kill. But it's like, yo, as a black man, yes, my experience is different. It is. My voice yeah. is different. And you're going to get a different perspective. If you're a white man, you have never you don't know you, you don't know the fear the fear of looking a police officer riding by in the car and you're just trying to exercise and you don't know you don't know if he's going to try to do some fuck shit or if he's having a good day and his wife told him she's going to give him some booty when he gets home so he got to rush home to do that shit you don't fucking know so to be able to write from that aspect Tom Tom Capinos wasn't able to do that he wasn't and the show suffered because of like we try to do, we try to do as much as we could on set to kind of blacken it up. But at the end of the day, man, it's like, yo, if, if, if the boat and the meat of the story is not coming from authenticity, then some folks are going to be in there, something's wrong. And you're not going to be able to build another season if you're not going to allow folks who have that voice and have that experience to come in and spruce it up. Yeah. Because nobody wants the Oreo show. It's not the Oreo show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just gotta be, it's gotta be from the, it's gotta be from an experience, man. So, um, so leaving SNL and going to that, it was almost the same thing. Now, I can say that now it's gonna be a little different. Uh, the next shows that I have that I'm working on, of course, I got a show that I'm working on now. You know what I mean? And we, you know, I'm a producer, a writer on the show, creator on the show. I mean, I'm partnering with her. I um, but I'm gonna have black people inside. I'm gonna have black people, and, and you know, you need other people of different aspects too. Yeah, and, and I'll have them in there as well. I, you'll have your white folks, but I'm gonna make sure that I want to do some skits because I'm gonna do sketches on this show as well. This is a sketch comedy prank show we're working on. So, I'm thinking if I'm going to do that, I need people in there who are for the culture and everything else. We'll just have, you know, we'll just have a collaborative, a whole collaborative team of folks. But for those experiences, man, for the shit that I want to create, there's got to be some black people in there, and there will be. But there'll be everybody. But there's going to be black people in there for sure. 
It's, 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 you, you need, I mean, just a different perspective to, and I, I say this to white casts as, as much and white productions as much as I do as a show, like, uh, like, uh, just, uh, any, any all black cast, you say, you just need perspective just to kind of like light you up on bullshit. Like just yeah. little things where you, you'd say, oh, hey, just so you know that we hear that differently than you, you hear that. Yeah, or we wouldn't say that. Wait, we wouldn't say that in this situation. Yeah. Like, I, oh, we don't say, we don't say motherfucker that much. I don't say yeah. motherfucker that much. I, I mean, Bernie Mac said motherfucker a lot, but that was part of his act, normal conversation. He wouldn't do that. When you have a script and it's nothing but explicatives that you think somebody's going to say, it becomes, it, it simply becomes redundant. And it, it's too much. And that authenticity piece is, is questioning it. And, and when you have the folks in there that know, it's just like, oh, yes, you have Atlanta. You got Insecure. Like, those shows are black. Those black ran because they know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, I, and, and, you know, that's something else I want to touch on, too, man, if, if I could touch on that. Please. Those folks like Lena Waithe, Donald Glover, um, uh, they they have cultivated they have cultivated their own brand. They're the writers, they're the directors, they're producing, they're getting all of that themselves. They're getting that bag themselves. After White Famous ended, I said to myself, Bert, I said, I want to do that. I yeah. want to I want to have control over what I'm doing. So nobody can hit me up on Christmas and tell me they can't continue a show because <laughs> because everybody is not on the same on the same playing field. I never wanted that to happen again. Man. So yeah. now that's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm I'm trying to execute that, dude. Just um, even working with Ellen, like yo, like I'm saying, like I'm like I'm gonna be a writer, producer, and actor on the show. Like get all of those bags. You're not gonna get you doing the same thing, bro. You see, what you, yo, your fucking podcast, bro. Your podcast. Your fucking um, your fucking specials. You're taking the control. You're your own boss. You're making all of the capital because you're your own boss. Yeah, but that's because I'm an <laughs> asshole. I can't. I have a. I have a. There's whatever's wrong with me. For whatever reason, if I get very, very angry when someone tells me what to do. So like, if someone sa- says, "Hey, we need you to do this," I start going, "I don't need to do that." Like in my brain, it's it's a, it's it's not healthy. But I, I got to a point where I said I can't do anything that I'm not producing just so that because I don't ever want to be in a position where they say we need me to do this. And I don't feel creatively like that's something I would do. Right. And, and so I, I, and I and and to be honest with you, I don't I don't love acting the way I love stand up. So I kind of go like on stand up, everything that comes out of my mouth, as irresponsible as it may be, at least I decided to say it. You know? me. Yeah, I can defend it. And so, so all the projects I do, I got to produce and I just kind of like, I don't know, travel channel kind of did that to me. I was like, eh, I was like, I don't want to be just like a hired gun anymore. Right. And I, I, man, I hate, I, what you say about getting a show canceled on Christmas Eve. I hate, I hate someone else telling me I can't work that fuck fuck that this podcast. I did it for free for five years. I didn't, I like, 
didn't get paid for like four years. But what I loved is that I did it and I got to pick the hours and I got to pick the guests. <laughs> it was like all the shit I loved. So yeah, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. That man, you look to shoot your shit, Joe. You even look at like folks like Joe Button, who I'm, and I'm not, I'm not speaking, I'm not speaking negative on his on his music, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I look, I'm not talking shit about Joe Button's music either. But I'll tell you right now, who he is today, yes, is much more fascinating than who he was as a rapper. Is lit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to hear your music. I don't want to hear your fucking mixtape, but. Turn on your podcast, Joe, and I'll fucking raw with you. Yeah, I love, man. I love, I love Joe Budden. I was, I, I'm a, a passerby on his hip hop. I think his hip hop's great, but like, but man, I love Joe Budden. And and and, and something else, and something I will, I, I'll add to that. He is a phenomenal lyricist. Yeah. He is one of the best lyricists ever. Nobody like that's why Drake didn't battle him. Drizzy was like, yo, man, I'm not fucking with Joe, man. I'm not going to fucking do it. Because Joe Buttons, will, he, he, he will lyrically whoop your ass. He just didn't have commercial success with his music. But his conversation is a commercial phenomenon, straight up. People, people want to hear him talk. He's so knowledgeable, just like you. You're so knowledgeable. You're so knowledgeable what you're talking about. You have control of it. So people like that, man. And, I, and, and folks like you and folks like Tom Segura, bro, I look at y'all, man, and I'm just like, you know, what? it's beautiful to see how much how much people have gravitated towards you and your brand and to see it grow exponentially so quickly, bro. That shit like a couple of a couple of years ago, it was like it was at one level. And now it's like through the fucking roof, bro. And it's, it, it shows everybody else who's out here grinding and um, folks who are on the stand-up grind that you can do it. Like, it's, it, there's a way to do it. And yeah, people, it's, that, it's, that, it's that shift that you had, that shift. It came later in my life. But that shift where you said, I want to be holding all the bags. I want to be doing it all, like Donald Glover and, and, and Issa, Issa Rae. Well, like, yeah, Lena Waithe, but Issa Rae show. She, her too. Her too. Yeah, and so you go, you go. I want to be the one holding all the bags. I didn't realize it until later in my life, where I went. Oh, I, I'm the only one that gives a fuck about this career for real. Like I'm the only one waking up in the middle of the night, going, "What's going on with Bert Kreischer's career?" And so, and so, yeah, I I think you you have discovered that at a much younger age, which I think is going to be. I mean, you know, it had I like to discover it at your age now. That just means. TV today, movies tomorrow, studios in a month, you know, type thing. Like you'll have your own. I mean, the sky's the limit for for your generation because you you've learned so much, but the, the business has shifted so much, especially with this fucking pandemic and the fact that everyone's like, fuck, everyone's scrambling on how to make content, how to make what's the next move, what's the next this. That right. you guys, you guys are going to be in a really, really advantageous position these next five years to make things that, and by the way, it's people are only now discovering the value in, in, in diverse voices. Like right now, think of that, man, how fucking bizarre is that? That, that fucking, uh, uh, 
God damn it, my fucking brain is fried. I think I haven't drank in like I haven't drank in like fifty days, not in a row, but fifty days. Oh and, congrats. And my yeah, but my brain, I think my brain needs the alcohol to slow it down. You like Popeye but with alcohol? Yeah, like fucking, <laughs> without any alcohol, my brain's just firing so quick. In Living Color is what I meant to say. Think about in Loving Color was like 20, 30 years ago. Right. And just now they're going, Yeah, man, we do need more diverse voices. They were screaming it. The Waynes brothers were screaming it at the top of their lungs. Years ago. Years ago. Yeah. Yep. And and like you're saying, like Damon Wayne's, Damon Wayne's left. If he hadn't got fired, if he hadn't got fired from SNL, his what was his first season? Uh I I don't remember, but I I read it. It was because he made a character gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he made Lauren wanted to Lauren wanted him to play it straight, and he played it. He played it, the cop gay, and then he got fired. Uh, but if that never had happened, there would never be in a living color, man. Yeah, and by the way, living in living color was so fucking funny. It was so funnier funny. than SNL at the time. And if you well, what, it, it, here's the thing: a living color was thirty minutes. SNL was an hour and a half. It was. It is. It's an hour and a half show. So you you even gotta even to even to give them give them praises for that, bro. To be able to to be able to sustain an audience for an hour and a half, you know how it is doing stand up. I mean, I'll be up there, I'll stay up there for an hour and a half, two hours, and be like, bop, 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 bop. you too. You'll be like, but some people can't do that. Some people can't do some people get on stage and after 20 minutes, it's just like <laughs> This nigga was funny <laughs> for 20 minutes, and now he's just gone up deep. And you start hearing forks and shit. You start hearing the ice in the cups. It's the work. When you hear ice in the cups, and you hear the forks clinging, and people just start agreeing with your points, and they're not laughing, oh, you bomb. It's yeah. a fucking bomb. It's a uranium fucking bomb. So an hour and a half show, bro, to be able to. And listen, all of it is not. All of it is not. <clears throat> and all of it's not funny you could say that but for the majority of it you enjoy yourself and you have a good time yeah um, and uh and living color man 30 minutes of fire if you <laughs> 30 minutes of somebody fire just bop, 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 in your face and it's like all right catch us next week we're coming back so so we got people more excited and amped and that's that's why people always uh compare shows like Mad TV and SNL and, and Living Color and they're like, well, uh, SNL's not as funny as they can, bitch, because it's spread out over an hour and a half. Fuck. If, I, if I'm smashing a girl and, and, it, it, <laughs> I, and it's over in five minutes, what, yeah, it was great if it lasted for an hour and a half. Does that mean it wasn't as good? No, that just means I took longer to bust. That's all. So <laughs> as far as the comedy goes, sometimes they take a little longer to bust. That's all. Yeah. Shit. You got to bust that comedy nut, baby. Pause. Dude, what a fucking Pause. great, what a great cast. Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, David Dude. Alan Greer, Tommy Davidson. Yeah. I mean, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. You know, both the Wayans. I think all three of the Wayans brothers were on there. I mean, what a fucking group of murderers. My Lord, man. Yeah. And then you look, oh, yeah, Tommy. Tommy Davidson does not get the credit. Tommy he does Jason, not, man. He does not get the credit he deserves. None of them, like Dame, all of them, bro. Like they're they're geniuses, all in their own right, man. 
and to be able to be able to do some of the shit that they did. Homie, don't play that. Shut up, bitch. Yo, I laughed so much as a kid. Every time somebody say shut up, bitch, it's still funny to me. <laughs> shut up, bitch. Homie, don't play that. Pow. You hit the you hit her in the face with a sock? You can't do that shit today. Yo, bonus. The mythic, the power under me, the retard, man. You can't do that shit today, bro. You but definitely was, cannot do that today. <laughs> so, so golden. So fucking golden, bro. Every character, every character that they did on that show popped. Every single one of them fucking popped. Every one of them popped. Jamie Foxx with the dude when he had the big ass fucking. Did he? Did Jamie Foxx do a character where he had big ass ears? Or was that. Was that uh? Was that all that? No, that was okay. That was all that. That was that was that was some other shit. But Jamie Fox, Jamie Fox, uh, Wanda, when he fucking did Wanda, Tommy Davidson just play, being able to be comedic in every every scenario. Damon Wayans, yeah. fucking uh, Keenan playing Arsenio Hall with the big ass. Oh. <laughs> With the big was, Dominican ass, he had a that big was the Dominican one. That was the show that you came to high. You came back to high school the next day, and that was the show everyone was quoting. No disrespect yeah. to SNL, but that was the show everyone was quoting. And I think, but at the time, it was like Def Comedy Jam had had blown up. Like yeah. Def Comedy Jam was so fucking big. Oh my gosh, man! I can, never, Mark, like you think about the you think about the powerhouses that came out of there. You think about Martin Lawrence, Ooh. Tony Mac. Uh, Chris Tucker, um, who else like exploded from that? Like even folks in the in the in the two thousands, you had like Tony Roberts, you had like Tony Rock, Tony Woods, all the Tonys. I don't think there's anybody in the industry that's not funny that's named Tony. I think if your name's Tony, you're funny by default. My dad's name is Tony, and he's fucking hilarious. I don't know why. <laughs> your middle name is Antonio, right? <laughs> Antonio, yeah, Antonio <laughs> Farrell, and that. Man is a fucking genius. Um, <laughs> dude, so uh, dude, the, the powerhouses. I wish I would have had a chance to go on Def Comedy Jam, man. Uh, oh, wow. But now it's like I don't I don't need I don't need to go on Def Comedy Jam. I don't have to go on Def Comedy Jam, but that was always a dream of mine when I was a kid to just get on that stage and kind of like fuck them up. I've done comic view, but it ain't the same. It's not yeah. the fucking same, but no, nah. it's not the same. It's crazy. I, I missed all those too. I did premium blend when, when it was kind of hot, but it was already like, uh, and I never got to do a half hour presents. I never got to do, I did an hour special at comedy central, but it came and went. And I, yeah. I got lucky enough to do Netflix specials when they were like right now is they're pretty, pretty big. Yeah. So that's, Dude, I mean, fuck, I'll take that. Bro, but you, how many, can I ask you a question? Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. How many followers do you have now? Don't you have like how many followers do you have? I have no idea. <laughs> there you go. Idea. Yeah. Millions and the millions and millions <laughs> of <first> fans. <laughs> a lot of fucking fans, man. I'm just I I'm proud to see the I'm so proud to see the I'm not I'm not your father by any means necessary, but I feel like I'm like, oh man, this is proud to see my friend fucking uh just thrive and get bigger man it's so beautiful to see dude oh, it's so a lot, man thank you yeah i feel like i feel like we connected that weekend in uh in columbus ohio it was sure. so it was so fun 
it was so fun to do radio with you because you were just murdering. And it was like, it was someone you, th- you threw the ball to and it was like, you'd, you'd been, it, it, you, and by the way, I say this, like you, I had been doing radio at that time for probably like 17 years, 18 years. I've been doing radio forever. I felt like just going in and doing radio shows. So I was super quick on radio and you were still young in the game of like, of like radio in my, in like in my experience, but man, you were murdering, like just, and I was like, fuck. And then I went and, I went and saw your show that night and I was like, God damn it, man. I was really impressed as your impressions obviously are murderous, but your standup, like I said, you know, you have an ability to take voices and create characters and create and really make a picture for people to kind of lose themselves in and then do straight stand up, do straight stand up and then pivot and do a, it's, it's really diverse. I think, I I think, I think, you know, it's, I, I feel like I said, you say it's fun to see me blow up, dude. I'm telling you right now, I'm watching you blow up. And then when my shit fizzles out, I'm going to hit you up and be like, Hey, do you need like an older white guy to say something? (laughs) I'm like, what the machine? Let's fucking go. Fucking do it. He's got a drinking problem. He shows up at eight hammer, but he'll get the lines out. <laughs> What's that smell? Don't mind. It, it, it's nothing. It's nothing. He's funny. Let, let, let him talk. Dude, don't, don't mind. I, appreciate, I appreciate you doing this. When this pandemic's over, we got to sit together and have a cider. Let's do, bro. Let's do it, bro. I'm down, man. I'm so down, Bert. You, you already know. You're my bro, dog. Uh, and, and I appreciate I, I appreciate the um, you, you being so amicable, bro. Like, oh, that's I've got it means uh, the world to me. I've got nothing but respect for you, man. You, you, and love. You are, you are fucking hilarious, man. Continued yes. success. And like I said, consider me an open avenue. If you ever have anything you need to promote, get eyes on. Hit me up. I'll throw it on my Insta, my Twitter, and we can do a podcast about it. Well, check check this out. Just I don't I don't want to miss this opportunity, but I got a movie dropping next month called Two Minutes of Fame. I did with Cat Williams. Kiki Palmer, Dion Cole, I'm starring in it. It comes oh, yeah. out, Lionsgate's releasing it. You know you can't go to the movie theaters now. So, you know, if anybody wants to support me, man, t- 1998, just 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 buy it, download it. You know what I mean? It's a it's a great, it's a great movie too. I'm not, I stand by it. It's a, it's a great movie. It's two it's minutes really, of fame. Uh it's called Two Minutes of Fame. And uh it's funny because Kenya Barris hit me up because Lionsgate was like testing it and it tested. It was the highest tested comedy for Lionsgate. I think when they did it back uh, 2018, when they were showing it around. But Kenya Barris hit me up and he said, "Congratulations! I heard you got one." So that oh, movie's wow. coming out. Yes, yes. So please check that out. I'm dropping two stand-ups this year. Hopefully, if this pandemic shit uh, <laughs> clears, I can drop them by my birthday. But I'm sitting, bro. I'm literally sitting on almost three hours of material. So uh, I'm just, I'm, I've been working my ass off, bro. So you know how it is. You know that grind. Lift the pandemic, turn and burn, baby. Once this thing's open, I'm, I'm getting on a tour bus and I'm not coming home until New Year's. Yeah, me neither. I'm be, I'm be living on the road. Be living, living on the road once again. And letting the animals, the little small animals, the critters control the house because that's what they do when I fucking leave. When I come back, they're like, yeah, what you doing here? And I'll be like, bitch, I'm paying the bills. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, brother, stay safe. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up about that movie and make sure that everyone, everyone knows about it. And I'll watch it. We'll put it on the podcast, everything, man. Watch it. Thank you so much, Bert. Awesome, brother. I'll talk to you later, man. All right, bro. 
this episode was brought to you by The Machine.